Welcome to the Lion's Drive. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. So we are going to end the wall, the praise, and the glory. Amen. We are in the book of Joshua, the sixth chapter. And we know the story all too well. The children of Israel have come into the promised land, and now they are at the cusp of grasping their inheritance. This promise that had been given to them over 400 years, they had entered, crossed the Jordan, they had been circumcised, and here they are, the first test, if you will, the last hindrance, to putting their hands on the promise. It was the city of Jericho. Now we read in chapter, in verse 1, that Jericho was securely shut because of the children of Israel, and none went out and none came in. We'll read from the NKJV really quickly. Now we understand that before they would go, the Lord appeared to Joshua and gave him instructions. Somebody say instructions. I told him exactly what they needed to do and how exactly they would proceed to fight this battle. He told them to march around the city. In verse 8, he said, Take seven priests, seven, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced, and blow the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Joshua commanded them in verse 10, jump to verse 10. He said this, You shall not shout... Or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout. Then you shall shout. So we know the story that went around six days. If we jump to verse 20, it says, On the seventh day, the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat. Amen? And I began to ponder over this. We've talked about the wall. We talked about um, uh, uh, power and authority. It had to do with the wall, their defenses, all of that. But they were going into battle. And if you are a student of history, every great battle, from every great battle comes a great general. Everybody wants to have the right general when they are going into battle because depending on the type of general you have, it always almost leads to the outcome that you get. And the beautiful thing about a general is he is a master strategist. He is a tactician. There is a difference between strategy and, tac- and, and, and a strategist and a tactician. The strategist, he goes and he begins to find and think about all the resources needed. What do we need to bring this victory? What are the resources we need? A tactician says, how do we utilize the resources that we have to bring this victory? And here you have the stage set. The children of Jericho versus the children of Israel. 
we had two generals at play. We had one general, which were the kings and the strong men of the city of Jericho. And then on the other side, you had the general who was the Lord of hosts as the general of the children of Israel. The master technician, tactician, sorry, the master strategist, God was their general. And right before the war began, the general did what the general does, and he gave his strategy. He says, this is how you will fight this battle. You will go around seven times. You will take seven priests. You shall go on seven days, and on the seventh day, you shall blow the trumpet. I need you to understand that your God is a master general. I need you to understand that your God is a master strategist. Nothing just happens in your life. We don't believe in coincidences when we are of the kingdom because he says all things work together. That means he says before you were born, before your father knew your mother, before they met, before you were even a thought, I knew you, I formed you, I fashioned you, and I created you for purpose. Everything concerning you is intentional. Everything about you, there is a plan, there is a purpose. Your God is very intentional. Your God is very powerful. Not only is he a general and a master strategist, the master tactician, he is a man of war. Your God is a man of war. Your God is powerful. You know, sometimes we forget how powerful God is and we bring him to book and we dare to ask him questions based on situations and circumstances that have occurred in our lives that we don't have full understanding about but we dare to ask him because we can after all he's our father so we feel, yeah, but God and sometimes we even make statements like I am fighting God if you fully understood the fallacy of that statement <laughs> you are fighting God you that were formed from the dust of the earth, fashioned and formed, and he put you together like clay and breathed his very life into you. The life that you have, the breath that you have, comes from the Ruah, the Spirit of God. He is the one that makes you live and move and have your being. He is the one that allows the sun to rise and set at his whim. That is who you are fighting with. The one that keeps your heart beating constantly, day and night. That is who you are fighting with. The one who controls the galaxies, the suns, the moons and the stars, dance at his whim for his pleasure. That the angels, and they stand, and they, the, the elders cast their crowns continually every time they cast. And they look up, and they see his presence, and they cannot stand in his presence. And they cast their crowns and say, holy, holy, holy. That is who you are fighting with. And the crazy thing about it is sometimes we feel that we are justified because our situations make us feel like we have a case. I reminded of Job when he called God to book. Now, if anybody had a ought to pick with God, would we agree that it was Job? 
Ah, Job tried. Job was minding his business. Job was living his best life. He was holy. He was righteous. He was praying every day. He was giving, um, uh, most of them, offering sacrifices every day for himself. The Bible says even for his children. He said, in case they sin today, God, let me just on their behalf. What a man. Just living his best life. But sometimes we don't realize that when we are living our best lives and we're doing what we need to do for God, we are on the radar of the devil. Yeah? And then you know how the story goes. Conversation happens and Job begins to suffer. And all of a sudden, everything he held there, gone. His children, his investments, (laughs) his livestock, his cattle, And the devil, the devil is so slick. He'll make you think that it is God punishing you. The Bible says a wind from heaven came and blew the house and killed all his children. Then a fire from heaven came and burnt all his cattle. He lost everything. His men, everything. Even his last support, his wife said, bros, you don't try. At this point, do us all a favor. Curse God and die. This suffering is too much. His friends came and said, if you were a righteous man, this thing's never happened to you. I knew you were this guy. And so when Job continued, the Bible says not once did he curse God, but he had questions. And he kept asking God, God! But the favorite part of that story, and this is just a, we have not gone into a sermon, but we're just talking about how powerful God is, by the way. God decided to answer Job. And when God decided to ask him certain questions, we began to see, even in his suffering, Job became humble. Let me read something to you. How powerful is God? Put up really quickly, amplified version. Conversation happens. This is Job 38, 12 to... Put Job 38, verse 12. I'm going to jump, 12, 13, 16, 17. I'm going to jump. Stay with me. So God is answering Job. Yes? Now God asked Job a question. Since your days began, have you ever commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Look at 13. So that light may take hold of the corners of the earth. The corners of the earth and shake the wickedness out of it. Jump to verse 16. This is God asking Job questions. Have you entered and explored the springs of the sea or have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? (laughs) Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. This is God asking the question. This is who we fight with, by the way. (laughs) Tell me if you know all of this. Where is the way where light dwells? 
And as for darkness, where is its place? That you may take to its territory and that you may know the path to its house. In other words, darkness has a territory. Darkness has a house. Do you know the path to the house of darkness? <laughs> you must, since you were born, and because you are so extremely old, look at your God asking a question. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle? Our God is a man of war. He is your father, but he is a man of war. You don't come for the one that God loves because he is a man of war. Why are you afraid? Do you not know your God is a man of war? He can use anything to fight. Do you know that I keep hail in the storehouses for a time of battle and war. I do not need the help of man to fight battles. I will use the elements that I create and make them weapons. Do you not know in my hand, snow is a weapon? <laughs> Somebody needs to know that God is a man of war. Exodus 15, 13 says this, the Lord is a man of war. Put it on the screen. The Lord is his name. Isaiah 42, 13, Amplified says this. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. Isaiah 42, 13. His zeal like a man of He will shout out, yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail mightily against his enemies. Psalms 24, 7 to 10 says this. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord what? He's mighty in battles. There is no battle that you will face that the Lord cannot handle. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he then, this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Uh-oh. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory who rules over all creation with his heavenly armies. The first time you see that term, the Lord of hosts, was when Hannah was praying a prayer. It was in 1 Samuel 1, 11, when she was praying for her child, for, for the fruit of the womb. And she prayed, and she called on the Lord of hosts. 
Now that word, that word, host, in Hebrew it means that which goes forth. Army, war, warfare. Army, host, host of organized army, host of angels, of sun, of moon, of stars, of the whole creation. He is the Lord of hosts, of whole creation. Jeremiah 31, 35. Jeremiah 31, 35. Look at what it says. Thus saith the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and of the stars for light. It is a fixed order. The light that comes from the sun is a fixed order. In the morning and the night, an order comes from the Lord. Who stirs up the seas rowing billows or stills the waves when they row? Who is he? Look at the next slide. What does it say? The Lord of, of hosts is his name. Look at Amos 4.13. Amos 4.13. For behold, this is your God we're speaking of. I need you to know who is in your corner. I need you to know who is the general of your army, who is the shepherd of your soul, who is the captain of your life, who is your lion and the lamb, who is your father, who is your mighty man of war. Amos 4.13 says this, For behold, he who forms the mountains, he forms the mountains. Every mountain that you know, whether it's Everest or Kilimanjaro, was formed. Nothing just happens. It didn't just happen from random rock formations. It was formed. He who forms the mountains and then creates the wind and declares to man. <laughs> he declares to man what? So even the thoughts that are using to fight him. The scope of your intelligence and everything that you think is yours. He, put it back, he declares to man. He declares to man what? His thoughts. When we think we are wiser than God, when we think we know when things should happen, how they should happen, at the time that should happen, what should and should not happen, he declares to man his thoughts. Can we continue? He who makes what? He makes the dawn into darkness. And then what does he do? And treads on the heights of the earth. Where are you in the earth that the Lord cannot tread to reach you? He treads on the heights of the earth. Who is he? <laughs> the Lord God of hosts is his name. This is your God. This is my God. He can use armies to fight. He can use snow to fight. He can use wind to fight. He can use water to fight. As a matter of fact, in Exodus 14, he became the chief of naval staff when he used water to drown the, <laughs> the uh, chariots of Egypt. Or was it when he became the marshal of the air force in Joshua 10 when he would release hailstones? 
<laughs> he used hailstones against the five cities that came against Joshua. Or was it when he became the field marshal of the army when he defeated one million men with 580,000 when Asa would fight against the Ethiopians in Chronicles 14? Or was it when he became the chief and director of cosmic forces when he used the sun, moon, and star to fight Sisera in Judges 5 verse 20? Or better yet, when he became the chief intelligence officer, when he would use the invisible smart bombs of shouts to bring down the walls. Of Jericho, the master strategist. Or was it when he would bring down fire in 1 Kings 18.24, when he would bring down fire and consume the God that answereth by fire. Do you not know that your God is a consuming fire? Hebrews 12, 29. He is a consuming fire. Anything that comes around you cannot stand where fire is. They must be burnt. That's who your God is. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the man of war. He is the one mighty in battle. So here you have two armies fighting. One, the Gentiles with their kings and their strong men. And then you have the children of Israel. And here they are. They are about to receive the promise. They are about to fight this battle. But here is one thing that we cannot afford to miss. Right before they engaged in the battle, they received instructions. Somebody say instructions. They were told how to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They were told how to fight. A lot of times we rush into the battle relying on our strength. No, they did not rely on their military prowess. They received instructions on how to fight. Most of the times you will find that before every promise comes preceding instructions. You will find that every time you will see a promise, there is always a set of instructions attached to it. Abraham, leave your father's house to a place where I will show you instructions. There was famine in the land. Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. Instructions. We know what happened to Abraham. He became the father of the nation of Israel. We know what happened to Isaac because he obeyed and stayed. What happened? In the place where there was famine, he got a hundredfold return. Elijah, get up from the brook and go to Zarephath. I have commanded the widow to feed you instructions. Somebody say instructions. Deuteronomy 28, 1, 2. This is what God was saying to children of Israel, showing the importance of instructions. He says this. Now it shall be, Deuteronomy 28, if you diligently listen, if you listen to what? Instructions. And obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I have commanded you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all the blessings will come upon you and overtake you if, somebody say if, that's a conditional 
conditional word. If you pay attention to the voice, in 2024, we must pay attention to the voice of the Lord. Not listen casually. Pay attention. That's why, we, that's why you see looking unto Jesus. Looking. Intention. Attention. Looking. Focused. We must pay attention. Joshua 1.8, you know that very well. It says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, for you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written. Then, what will happen? See? If you don't let the book of the law depart, another set of instructions. If you meditate on it day and night, then, you see, a lot of us, we want the then, what comes after without obeying the instruction? Oh, it got quiet real quick. See, all of us want the glory. We don't want the story. Uh-oh. I got real quiet. You know, we're, we're a microwave generation. We want it now. There are a set of instructions. Joshua 15, 7 says this. This is God speaking. Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are what? Vitally united and my message lives in your heart. Then what will happen? You see, a lot of us start here. Lord, you said, if you ask whatever you wish. Lord, you said, if you ask whatever I wish. I wish? No, sir. Let's, let's, let's go to the first part of it. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain, if we become vitally united and my message dwells in your heart, then you will ask and you will not ask according to the flesh. He says, you will ask. But what you will ask will be according to the will of the one that you are united with. A lot of times you wonder why we don't get what we ask for. Because we are not asking according to his. Uh-oh. Goals for 2024. God, I want to blow. For 2024, I must leave this God-forsaken country. I'm jackpying. 2024, I am relocating. Sir, ma, if you go where God has not sent you, you will suffer. Whether it's in the white man's country or it's in the black man's country. Because where he sends you, his provision will keep you. His grace will never, he will never send you where his grace cannot keep you. Before he sends you, he has already made provision before he sends you. But you must ask according to his will. 
God, everybody is running to Egypt. There is famine. Isaac, stay in the land. But God, I want to go. No, my will is for you to stay. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then we are united. My word is in your heart. Everything you will ask will be according to the purpose and plan that I have for you. You must realize that every good and perfect thing comes from we own nothing. Everything we have, we have been given. And the quicker we align, 2024 must be a year of alignment. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Because the quicker we align with God, the quicker we see his move in our lives. It's quiet now. 2024! I must hammer! Do you know why you want to hammer? What is your motive for hammering? So we better thank God that you have not hammered because that hammering will take you to hell. Okay. Eh, sir, let me shine joy, shine this life. Let me shine. Let me just. Okay. Sometimes it's the grace and mercy of God that will not put you in certain situations that will reveal the true character and nature of who you are because he will keep you in the fire and he will refine you says he puts you in the fire and he refines to all the impurities everything that is not of him must go you know in the process of refining you know how a silversmith knows that the silver is ready he keeps it in the fire and you know how he knows when it's done when he can see his reflection in the silver some people, God will not remove you from the fire until he can see his reflection. God, I'm ready. No, 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 no. Because where I am taking you, I must see my reflection in you. Joseph, I have to make sure that my reflection is in you because if my reflection is not in you, you will get to the place of power and you will exact revenge instead of mercy. And you don't realize that your mercy is tied to a generation of people that must come from your lineage and must fulfill the promise. So I will keep you in the place of affliction till I see my reflection in you because where I am taking you is not about you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask whatever and it shall be done unto you because of my time. 1 John 1, 6 to 9. 1 John 1, 6 to 9. It says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is, 
if we live each and every day in what? Conformity with the precepts of God as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. In other words, he is with us and we are with him. And then the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin and keeping us cleansed from sin in all of its forms and manifestations. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. But if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sin, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with what? His will. So even salvation is based on instructions. What do I mean? If you confess and you admit that you are a sinner. If you say, Lord, I've done this. He says, then, when you confess and you say, this is what I need to do, then he is faithful and just. For every promise, you must seek out the preceding instructions. Are you with me? I have four minutes. I have to end this today. We are not carrying the world, the praise, the glory into the new year. Amen. We'll finish it here. The Bible says they walked around and there was a shout that was released for the walls to come down. There was a shout. The strategy to fight this battle was a shout. It was not muscle. It was not strength. It was not artillery. It was not the amount of people they had. It was a shout. A lot of times, God will give you your victory in a simple set of instructions that will not make sense to those who will hear it. But if God is asking you to shout, my dear, shout, oh, I told them in showers about a friend of mine who was reading a book and believing God um, for, he had, was complaining that he did not have, why did he not own his own house in Lagos? Because the landlord had decided to increase the rent again and he was complaining that God, how far in this Lagos? Why don't I have my own house? Have I not tried? And while he was, you know, God told him to take bread to his neighbor. It must have been some kind of bread because the guy said, God, how can I take bread to my neighbor? This is not abroad, amen? Okay, in abroad, you can go and knock on your neighbor. Hi, neighbor, I just want to give you some cookies. Some... In Nigeria, I say, sir, what do you want? In fact, I'll look at you with side eye. Why are you bringing food to, to my house? 
what, what, what did you put inside? I don't want, thank you. Collect your cake. Collect it. But he was reading and God said to take bread. So my guy carried bread and went to his neighbor's house and knocked on the door. Hello? You have to, sir. It was an elderly man. He said, sir, I was just eating this lovely bread and I just thought to bring bread to you. I said, oh, that's coming, coming. Very kind young man. Coming, coming. Sit down. Let me even get some tea. Let's eat your bread. So they sat down. He said, you know, the man started to talk. He said, you know, this Nigeria is just stressing me. It just stresses me. My whole family is abroad. You know, and, and I don't think I want to stay here much longer, but I've been thinking of developing a bunch of houses. I want to build houses, like four or five townhouses, but my problem is I don't have anybody that I can trust in Nigeria because I want to be away. But you know what? You seem like a nice young man, so here's what we will do. I will put you in charge of building the houses. You will manage everything, and then I'll give you one townhouse. So you can just hold that one. Don't worry about paying. If anytime you want to pay, don't worry. Just take it. And then we can sort out the details later. My guy was frozen. So he didn't say, he just said, I, I need to go. Because he didn't understand what was happening. So he thought maybe, so he didn't, you know, sometimes God will do things for you that will cause you to just enter a state of shock. And when the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion... For somebody, the testimony God is about to do for you will cause people, even you yourself will be shocked and say, how can this be? When the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dream. So my guy went to his house in shock over bread. Two weeks later, the guy called him and said, young man, what's going on? You have not come back to me. He said, sir, I wasn't sure. He said, no, but I'm serious. I need to start. Come. I didn't make a mistake. My guy collected a house with... This, listen, 2024 is going to be a strange year. Because people will not be able to understand. When they do the math, how does bread equals house? Over your matter, when they try to do the math, the math will not math. The answer will be God. Because God will give you things, strange things that will not make sense. It does not have to make sense. As long as the Lord of hosts says to do it, do it. He used bread to get a house. Israel, you are about to enter the promised land. And the Lord said, don't do anything, but just walk around. <laughs> Lord, this is Jericho. Their walls are so high. They are dangerous. Do not say a word. Walk around the wall. Naaman, your body is full with leprosy. You know what you need to do? Go and dip in the Jordan seven times. <laughs> what? Sir, I came to you with all that I have, with gifts. You don't even see me. You tell me to go and dip in the water seven times. How does water cure leprosy? 
lepers standing by come to Jesus. Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. But the Bible says, as they went, they became whole. Lord, I am blind. Jesus goes to the ground, takes sand, spits in sand. The Lord of hosts that can use clay to bring back sight. Puts it in his eyes. And asks him a question, what do you see? How does sand equal sight? For somebody here, they have said that this is the only way it will be for you. This will require surgery. This requires medical intervention. But the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, right now, is touching you right now, right, right now, right now, right now, right now. And when you go back to the hospital, what happened to you? The Lord of hosts. Um, sir, medically, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as, uh, yes, the Lord of hosts. I remember one time in 316, we had a service. We were in Darlington Hall. Oh, it's 11.04. I need to stop. Um, and this lady, we had this move of God. And I was sharing a testimony of I don't remember what I said. I said. I said something. I said, we serve the God who can turn your genotype from SS to AA. And then some lady just falls. And she was SS. And we thought she was having a crisis. So we panicked. And we carried her to the hospital. Let her not say that it was inside. <laughs> hey. Carried her to the hospital. So the first thing they did was to draw her blood. And then they ran the test. And they came back to her and they asked her and they said, Ma, what did you say your genotype was? She says, SS. Says, no, Ma, you are AA. <laughs> she says, no, 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 no. I've been SS my whole life. I just I was having a crisis. No, we just drew your blood, Ma. We just ran the tests. And we can only tell you what the tests say. You are AA, the Lord of hosts. In 2024, the Lord of hosts will show up for you. He gives them an instruction. He says, you will not say a word. Somebody here, they have been under immense attacks. And you have wanted to defend yourself. I hear the Lord say, do not say a word. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is your extremely great reward. Do not say a word. They went around. Not once. Not twice. Not three times. Not four times. And I need to say this as I end. You must understand that the victory was in their shout. But you must understand there was a timing to their shout. If they shouted on the first day, it would have been premature. If they shouted on the second day, it would have been noise. But when they shouted on the seventh day, or the seventh time, it was a bomb that brought down the impenetrable walls of Jericho. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. 
you must understand that there is a time and there is a season for everything under heaven. Just because it's delayed does not mean it will not come. It is because it is not the right time. When God will give you instructions, there is a timing to it. Wait for the Lord of hosts. But Lord, I'm ready on day one. Calm down. Because if you shout on day one, nothing will happen. But when you shout, when I ask you to shout, when you move, when I ask you to move, when you speak, when I ask you to speak, then you shall see the walls of Jericho. That is when you will see the glory behind the praise. Because when you do what I ask you to do and move when I ask you to move, because it is in him that we live. It is when he tells you to live and when he tells you to move. That is when you have your being in him because everything you do is because you are connected with him. In 2024, we must be connected with him. Because he wants to use us to confound the wise. He wants to use us to turn the world upside down. He says signs and wonders must follow those that believe. He wants to use us to do radical things in 2024. The Bible says that greater works shall you do. Greater works than Jesus. So if Jesus healed the sick, then you can heal the sick. If Jesus raised the dead, then you can raise the dead. I listened to stories. I remember, I don't know, I think it was, was it Daosa when he read, or was it Idaosa? I think he, was it Daosa or Hagen? I don't remember. I confused the two. He read that the same spirit raised Christ from the dead. I started riding his bicycle around, asking everybody, is there any dead person in this house? Was it Daosa? I dare you to take God at his word. Strange things that can, in our lifetime, we shall see the miraculous. The supernatural shall invade the natural. The men that we read about didn't have two heads. Come on. If he says it is so, I believe it to be so. He's looking for people that have radical faith. I will say, if I perish, I perish. To live is Christ, to die is gay. If God tells me to go, I don't have to know how it works. I am going. It might not make sense, but God has sent me. I told this story in, 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 in um, anointing service. I need to stop. Last thing. And I said it. And I, every time I read it, it's fascinating. <laughs> I told it last time. It was a Daosa. A man fell from over 10 stories and died. His head was smashed. His head was smashed. Falling over 10 stories, I think it was actually even higher than that. And his head was smashed. And they picked him up and put him in a truck. And his mother said, this one cannot die. <laughs> Jesus. She is looking at the squashed head of her son and she says, this one cannot die. And she says, we are taking him to Papa. And she drove to Idaosa's office. 
and she fought everyone and she must see the man. He Dawsa himself said, when he came down and saw the smashed head, because they had taken from there, they went to the hospital, and when he saw, he said, you know what, he had even said he was trying to just try to get her out, to let them take the boy to the mortuary. Because said my, the woman said, No, my son cannot die. When you look at your situation and circumstance and you do not speak what you see, you speak what God is saying. I don't care what the situation is saying. We speak what God is saying. She said, my son cannot die. She said, you must put your hand on his head. <laughs> Scattered head. Put your hand on his head. It also said he didn't even have, he was trying to, he was trying she took his hand and put it on his head. Said, say a word, Papa, because this boy cannot die. I don't know what dream they have said is dead. This dream cannot die. Put the hand on the boy's head. Smashed head. And all of a sudden, they heard a sneeze. What is impossible with man? If it was a possibility with man, then we do not need God. Do not insult God to call him to things that man can do. There was a sneeze. And all of a sudden, not only that, the boy is alive. The boy is normal. The boy is married with children in America. Now, it seems impossible, doesn't it? Yeah? Yeah? But we are dealing with the Lord of hosts. I, I was, I'd gone out and I was coming back and then my car decided to stop. You know when the devil wants to shame you? And my car stopped. I said, ha. So my car stopped. And I was stuck. It was Bagada. So I had to call the house to ask them to bring another car. Because I can't understand on the side of the road. My car stopped. And all of a sudden, and I'm standing, there's a car that starts speeding towards me. And I can see the car speeding. I'm looking at, you know when I look at the guy, like, guy, obviously you can see. And I'm off the road. I'm on the road. But I'm watching this guy speeding. And he's gaining speed. And he's zigzagging. Ha! They will not kill my enemy. I'm looking at the car. And because my car is on the side of the road, there's nowhere else to go, he's about to hit me. So in the last minute, I push my body against my car. And my leg, this one, is like this. And all of a sudden, you hear a large impact. It hits my leg. You hear boom! And the car bounces to the other side. Clearly the man was drunk. And continues to speed on. So all I heard was the impact of the car hitting my leg. So I didn't even look at my leg. I already knew that. Ah. 
Oh Lord, you have spoiled my fine boy. I was like, oh, you know, we're already money. You haven't even looked. But then I check. And I asked the person, did you hear that sound? Yes. But my leg is fine. The Lord of hosts. Listen. I don't know what is impossible in your life. But Hannah cried to the Lord of hosts. I dare you for the next 10 seconds to cry to the Lord of hosts. Whatever it is, whatever it is, he is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the heavens. He is the Lord of the earth, of the sun, the moon, the stars. He is the mighty man of war, the one that uses hail to fight, the one that can use the sound of your voice to bring down a wall. He is the one that we are praying to. What is too hard for our God? Lay down your worries, lay down your anxiety, lay down your fears, lay down your worries. He is the Lord of hosts. The one that prepares the table before you in the presence of your enemies. The one that anoints your head with oil and your cup runneth over. He is the Lord of hosts. Father, we thank you for who you are. We shall take comfort in the fact that you are the God that fights our battles. We shall take comfort in the fact that there is nothing that is too hard for you. We shall take comfort in the fact that if you say go, we shall go. Whatever you ask us to do, we shall do. We trust you completely. We have decided that we will abide in you. And your word will richly abide in us. And we will ask anything according to your will and you will see it done. Because you are not a man that you should lie. Father, for everything you have created us for, we will complete and fulfill our purpose in the name of Jesus. Everything we ask, heavens will back it up because we will stay connected to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.